I want to begin this morning by telling you uh, how great of a blessing are reminders. Uh, I don't know if you're altogether clear on how many reminders we have in our life and how important they are uh, to us. Back before we had these things called smartphones, do you remember those days? Uh, I was talking to my kids the other day that I'm older than Google, and they didn't believe me. Older than these smartphones, I remember. Well, anyway, I don't want to go down memory lane. That's not the point. But before, before smartphones, uh, like you had to really pay attention to the reminders of time change, right? Anybody here ever come an hour early or an hour late to church because of time change? Everybody's embarrassed to say it. They're like, yeah, it's happened before, right? We need reminders. And for the life of me, dear friends, I have no idea why we do this time change thing. Amen? Amen. What is this about? Twice a year, we move the clock forward, we move the clock back. I don't know what it's about. But anyway, I just participate like the rest of us. Move it forward, move it back. But I need the reminders uh, so that I'm not late one hour early or late to church, right? Uh, So reminders are good. For some of us, we need those reminders about every two miles on the highway that there is a speed limit. Now, I know that some of us have those reminders and we pay no attention to them, right? Not you, because you're good followers of God. But you understand, like, every two miles there's these reminders. And for some of us who are here this morning, we're in that great season of life where we have the awesome privilege of seeing multiple doctors every week. And we need those appointment reminders. Don't forget, you're seeing Dr. So-and-so on Monday at 3 and Dr. So-and-so on Tuesday at 5, and, and it used to be the phone call, and then it turned to the robot call where it's a robotic voice giving you this reminder. Now we have the text messages, and so our phones are always getting text messages that your dog is going to the vet, that you've got to take your car in for the oil change, that you have your doctor's appointments. And so we have reminders all in our life, and here's why I'm telling you that, because this morning I want the message to be One gigantic reminder of why the cross is so important in our life. Now, if you're new here online or with us in person, one of the things that is really important to us as leaders in the church and on our staff and with elders and our other volunteer leadership teams, one thing that's really important is that we ask the question often, why? We love that question, why? When the Bible calls us to do something, oftentimes we'll pause and we'll ask why. Or or sometimes we'll ask how. If the Bible calls us to do something, we'll ask how. We love the question why. We love the question how. We ask those questions often. And this morning, as we are looking at celebrating, receiving, and participating in communion, as you see we'll be doing in just a few moments, I want for us to ask the question why? Why is the cross important? And if you're not familiar with communion and the significance of it, as we participate in communion, as we take the bread, and as we take the juice, one of the reasons that that's significant is because it points to the broken body of our Lord, and it points, the juice points to the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the question remains, why is the cross important for us and in our life? And so if you have your notes this morning, you see that there are two aspects 
that I want for us to reflect on this morning as we prepare our hearts and as we set our minds to reflect upon and to focus on and to prepare for communion, I want for us to be reminded of why it's important. There's lots of aspects of the cross. There's not just two. There are many. One of the things that I would recommend to you or refer to you if you're the type of person who loves diving into theology and exploring all the different elements and aspects. There's this wonderful uh, little book called The Atonement. It's Meaning and Significance, and it goes through all the different words that are used in the New Testament to talk about the cross and its importance. So it it examines all these different aspects. It talks about uh, the aspect of covenant and the aspect of sacrifice and the aspect of the Day of Atonement and Passover and redemption and reconciliation and propitiation and justification. And you may be listening to those words going, what? Exactly. That's why the book is so awesome. It helps people like me understand all the different uh, aspects and all the richness and depth of what these words mean as they talk about the cross ultimately to explain why it's important to your life in 2022 when you wake up tomorrow and you go to work or, or when you wake up tomorrow to take care of your family or you wake up tomorrow to go to school what why does propitiation matter for me this book is an excellent explanation of that the author's name is leon morris if you want to see this after i'd be happy to show it to you so you can get the book but this morning we're not exploring seven we're exploring two we're going to use the book of Colossians to do that. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn there. Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 are going to be what we're looking at. Uh, and if you have notes this morning in front of you and you're writing these two aspects down, the first aspect that we're reflecting on is the relational aspect of the cross. The relationship aspect of the cross. We're going to use Colossians chapter 1 and allows and allow Paul's writing to this church to teach us a little bit about the relational aspect of the cross and why it is significant in our world today. So let's look, if you would, in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 21, and we're just going to read a couple of verses there. Verse 21 begins, and it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So where are we talking about relationship there? Why are we saying that there's a relational aspect to the gospel, specifically to the cross? Is that word in there that begins with the letter R, reconciled. Reconciled is a word that describes relationships. Reconciliation occurs between two or more parties. 
And as you read through the Bible, whatever your reading schedule is, as you read through the Bible and you see in Colossians or you see in some other book of the Bible as you're reading through, when you see the word reconciliation, understand that is a word that's talking about relationships. Now, one of the really neat things about these two aspects is they both talk about who we were before Christ and what Christ did to bring us closer to God. And you notice that in the scripture, don't you? It says, and you, you once were, and he describes a statement of being. And the point that I would make this morning is that Paul is speaking to a church. This is actually a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church. It was kept and preserved over time. So now we have the, the, uh, the amazing blessing of being able to see what Paul said to the church. And he was saying to the church, this describes you the way that you used to be, but now Christ has done something in your life. And what does Paul say used to be the way of life for this church? Two words, alienated and hostile. And this is the gospel. This is the reason that the why is so important. This is why when we take communion, we need to remember that the why is huge and significant on why the cross is important for our life. Because it isn't as though there are people who are neutral to God and then love God. The scripture says, if Colossians 1 is theologically accurate, the scripture says that is not the case. People aren't neutral towards God. They're either submissive and obedient and lovers of Christ and seeking God and living fully in the kingdom of God, or they're not neutral, something else. Now, the first word that's used is the word alienated. And alienated isn't necessarily a, a, a hostile or violent word. It's just a word that says there's no connection points. It's like saying, no, uh, you don't share each other's mobile numbers and you don't text one another and you don't FaceTime one another and you're not friends on Facebook or follow each other on Instagram or Twitter. It means that you don't have their email. It means that you don't have their address. It means that you don't spend time with them. You don't hang out with them. You don't know them. And the scripture says that before Jesus reconciled the church to the Father, people were alienated to God. They were just, they were just not connected. And you, there's, there's a lot of people on this planet that you're alienated to. I mean, the fact is, you are not connected in a meaningful relational way to most people on planet Earth. I don't mean that mean, that's just facts. Uh, we were talking about way back before we had uh, cell phones. Some people have a hard time remembering that far back. Uh, but way back then, when I was growing up, we had phone books. Anybody remember phone books? Here's the thing about alienation. If I were to bring one of those ancient things called a phone book in here, and I were just to hold it up and then drop it, and just see where it opens up, right? And then I was to reach down and pick up that seven and a half pound book of phone numbers. You remember? And I was to just put my finger somewhere and call out the name of that person, you probably 
have no idea who that is. Bob Smith or whoever, right? You, if I called out the name, statistically speaking, you probably wouldn't know who that was. Now, what does that mean? It just means you're alienated from that person. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It doesn't mean that you want bad things for them. It doesn't mean that you wish them harm. It doesn't mean that you have bad thoughts towards them. It just means you don't know them. And that is why reconciliation is so important. Because once we were alienated from God, And in the death of Christ, we can be reconciled to our creator. But it goes and says one more thing. It says not only were we alienated, we were hostile. You see that in the text? Look with me if you would. In verse 21. And you who once were alienated... And hostile in mind. This is the gospel. Here's the gospel story right here, friends. Why do we celebrate and participate in communion? And why is the cross so important to us? Because the scripture says, at one point, we looked at God with hostility. Now, I want you to notice something very theologically important here. It doesn't say that in God's mind, we were hostile with one another. It doesn't say in God's mind we were enemies with one another. It says that at one point we were hostile towards God in our minds. And in that moment, Jesus took a step towards us and said, let's find peace. That is gospel. And you who once were alienated from God... And in your mind, you were hostile. You have now been reconciled by the cross. And so when we come together and we sing songs about a crucifixion, which think about how bizarre that is. The cross, the cross was an instrument of execution. It was the death sentence in the Roman world. And here we are in 2022 singing songs about it. I mean, think about how bizarre that might land for some people. And you might ask yourself, why would you sing songs about that? Because it is in the death of Christ that we have reconciliation. The relational aspect of the cross is that when we were hostile towards God in our mind, when we were alienated from God... We were reconciled through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is not the relational aspect, but instead it's the legal aspect. So this morning we're studying both the relational aspect of the cross and we're also studying the legal aspect of the cross. And we're not moving out of Colossians. We're just jumping a chapter. So look with me in chapter 2 
if you would, of the book of Colossians. And we're going to see the legal aspect peek its head out in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul is still talking about the cross. He's still talking about the crucifixion of Jesus and how miraculous and powerful and life-giving and life-changing it is. And in verse 13, he says, in verse 14 and 13, he says something very interesting. And it says, and you, once again, past tense, you who were alienated, past tense, you who were dead, verse 13, you who were dead in your trespasses, And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That's a legal term. That's a legal term. Having your trespasses forgiven is a legal term. It goes on to give more legal terms in verse 14. By canceling the record of debt, that's a legal term. That stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, listen to this, by nailing it to the cross. What an incredibly powerful imagery. This record of debts that we owe, he set it aside by nailing it to the cross. What a provocative piece of imagery this morning. So the legal aspect of the cross, uh, when you think about that, it might not feel as flowery as the relational aspect of the cross, but it's equally important. And I want to explain to you why. I want you to look back, if you would, in verse 14. I want you to see that phrase, the record of debts. And then notice that in the record of debts, it's stacked against us, right? Look with me if you would. I want you to see something really important about this text by canceling the record of debts. And in the ESV, it says that stood against us. Some of your translations may say uh, opposed us. But the idea here is that when you find the record of debt and you look down alphabetically and go and find your name and then come over and see what your record of debt is, it is standing against you. It's not good news. It's kind of like every year when you get your little form where your town or city, wherever you live, tells you that you have the great privilege of living in our town. And because you have the great privilege of living in our town, you have the great benefit and blessing of paying lots of taxes. And you know when you get that uh, in, the, in the mail and you look at it and it's got the official town or city like stamp on it. And it's like, this is from the tax office. I mean, you go, oh man, they never, they never mail me to tell me they owe me money. <laughs> they, they always mail me a document that stands against us, right? We owe them something. The same is true here. There's this legal aspect to the cross. And, and I want to be incredibly serious about this for a second because some of us may be thinking, okay, well, what do I owe? If there's a record of debts, and, and if you haven't grown up yet and left the house and started buying stuff, if you've never bought a house or if you haven't hit the age of 18 yet where there's a, a flood of credit cards to you and they want to give you all these credit cards so you can go run up the credit so that you have a big, long record of debts, this may be, seem a, a little off to you. It may be hard for you to wrap your mind around. But for those of you who have a mortgage, you understand the record of debts. 
For those of you who have signed a lease on a house or a condo or apartment, you understand what it means to say that somewhere your name is written somewhere with the amount that you owe to someone else. Credit cards, mortgages, all those things, records of debt. So you may be here this morning going, well, I've had a good month. I've cut my expenses. What is my record of debts with God? And I'll just pay it before I go. It doesn't work that way. And here's why. If you've never heard this before, I have the great privilege of sharing this with you for the first time. And if you're writing notes, this is Romans 6, verse 23. Here's what the scripture says. The wages, legal term, right? When you do something and there's wages associated with it, someone legally owes you those wages. The wages of sin is death. Our record of debts says that we're guilty of sin and we owe our life. And then we sang this song that on the cross, Jesus took our place. Why is the cross important for you today? You say, why is it it happened 2,000 years ago? Why is the cross important to me today? It happened way on the other side of the planet. Why is the cross important for me today? Here's why. Because you have a record of debt that you cannot pay. And on the cross, Jesus paid it for you so that you could live, so that I could live. He nailed our record of debt to the cross. And he gave us life instead of death. And so if you're new to the fellowship and you came in and this is like a background that you're thinking, I've never been a part of a church like this before. These people are so passionate. Yes. Because he canceled our record of debt. And he nailed it to the cross. And we can move forward and love people now. And we can move forward and serve the Lord. We don't have to spend our life thinking, how do I pay this debt? How do I get out of Romans 6.23? You can't get out of Romans 6.23. But Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2 says that he has canceled the record of debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands, he set it aside because he nailed it to the cross. So this morning when we come to receive communion and we walk forward and we pick up the bread and we pick up the juice, I understand that for those of us who are here on a regular basis and you know that we are almost always take communion on the first Sunday of the month and you see the elements and it almost becomes monotonous. It almost becomes so rhythmic that we forget the deep and rich meaning of the why. There's at least two reasons that we've explored this morning. The relational aspect 
and the legal aspect. There was a day in your mind you were hostile towards the things of God and even in that season of hostility and rebellion God took a step towards you and he said I want to make peace between you and the Father and that's why we're passionate about the cross because from the legal aspect we know that the wages of sin is death but Jesus nailed those wages to the cross to give us life. And so I will plead with you this morning, dear friends, brothers, sisters, those of you who are following the Lord, please this morning as you make your way to the communion table, don't take it lightly. Receive it Reflect on it, rejoice in it, but don't take it lightly. There is a reason that the cross is so significant. There is a reason that we have songs and jewelry and everything that we have in, a, in our Christian world, a Christian church about the cross, because it is the sign of our hope that we could receive life from the Lord Jesus. Now, if you're a guest today, you will not be aware of this, but to those of you who are here regularly, I will tell you, we are ending the service a little bit different. And normally we end with just a brief time of prayer before there's a blessing and we go. But this morning, before we receive communion, we decided to have a full song of worship about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to give you space and to give you a moment to really align your heart and your mind with the Lord. And if you need to run into the presence of God and get right with God this morning, then you have the chance to do that. If you need to take some time to pray, you've got a chance to do that. Uh, But whatever it is that you need to do to prepare yourself for the communion, we want you to have the opportunity to do that. And so we're going to sing a song of worship this morning and Uh, In a moment, we'll pray, and then we'll sing together, and you're welcome to stand the way that we normally do when we sing, or if you need to, just in a reflective posture, stay in your seat, you're welcome to do that, or if you want to come to the altar and kneel and pray, thanking God for either the relational aspect or the legal aspect of the cross, or both aspects, you're invited to come to the altar as well. We just wanted to give you the opportunity to prepare yourself uh, for that moment. So uh, the worship team is going to come back up as we pray together. I invite you to bow with me if you would. And as you prepare yourself, I just want to ask you this question. Are you reconciled to the Lord? One of the things that we have the great privilege of seeing here at the fellowship is Weekly, there are people who are uh, religious or spiritual or believe in God come and worship with us. And while all of that's good, I want you to be cognizant that you can be religious and be spiritual, believe in the existence of God, and not be reconciled to God. And so this morning, I just want to give you a moment to reflect on that question.
And then to let you know that during this next song, as I stand down here close to the front row, I'll be available to you. If instead of singing, you want to come forward and just talk about what does it mean to be reconciled to God, I would love to have that conversation with you. Lord, as we make preparations internally in our minds and in our hearts to participate in communion, we anchor ourselves in Colossians 1 and 2 today. And we recall, for those of us who are in Christ, what it meant to live alienated and hostile towards you and in the very moment of our rebellion and sin, you stepped to us. You engaged us. You pursued us. You loved us. Even when we were unlovely and you transformed us so that we might live holy so that we might live set apart and blameless and above reproach Lord we acknowledge that you have saved us for a purpose and that is to live transformed lives Thank you, Lord, for that legal document of the record of debts that you have once and for all nailed to the cross. Our hearts cheer just in thinking about that. And so, Lord, as we enter into a season of response where we reflect and prepare ourselves for communion, trust that you not only will hear the words that we sing, but the condition of our heart. Help us, Lord, to come fully to you, to seek you fully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.